You ready? Okay. It's pretty hilarious that you grabbed a drink that you thought was non-alcoholic. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was what sparkling water, which it pretty much is. Yeah, but coming from the from the person who said last night, I'm not drinking for a whole week. I and did say I- that. And then when I got home, I thought I would replace a beer with a uh, uh, sparkling water. Mm-hmm. And we had, and of course, our fridge, fridge, our fridge is loaded with seltzer water. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, you can thank Cindy. She gave us a bunch of. Thank you, Cindy. Yeah. Say thanks to Cindy. All right. Well, welcome to episode eight of Creative Moonlighting. Um, we are officially on one month, Annie, of being quarantined and having this podcast. And I guess that means having this podcast. We started, we started it when we it, got quarantined. That's right. We started over spring break. So um, no wine tonight, just water and seltzer, seltzer water, water um, spiked water. But um, today's going to be a little different, right? Like we don't have questions. We don't have any questions this week. And I don't have anything major that I was like itching to talk about. But you had a list of things you text me the other day that you were itching to talk about. So you're just going to kind of lead this one and I'm going to try to follow. So the past, over the past month, a habit that Bodie, our dog, my dog, and I have been doing, our dog, I don't know why I said my, um, we've been walking, we've been averaging about four and a half miles every day. Well, I guess that means we would average probably three-ish miles because- You've been walking a lot. Yeah, I've been walking a lot. So while I was on a walk, I always listen to other podcasts. It's Bird's Ideas. So I had this um, funny idea to think about uh, kind of things we've heard, funny things that we've heard from the kids that we've taught. Um, and and I the, the phrase that kept coming up was from the mouths of babes. Because they're kids. Because they're kids, right? And thinking about how- what they say sometimes it's easy to brush off and say oh my god it's a 12 year old kid or a 16 year old kid like what do they know you know and then at the same time if you stop to think about it it's so honest and uh reflective of what's going on that you go oh crap they were right on it you know so I thought today's episode we could go one part of it is from the mouths of babes and share some funny stories that we've heard or that we've experienced with students. And then later I want to talk about um, kind of we get it from our mama. Like we. What exactly are you know You know that song, that? Get It From Our Mama. I know the song, but what's your thinking? Well, like, my thinking we- on that was. On the other hand, we also hear lots of phrases and pieces of advice from our moms or our parents that probably have impacted the way that we think um, or or create. So I thought let's do kind of the funny and first of from the mouths of babes and funny things that we've heard okay. and uh, end it with we get it from our mama. Sound good? That sounds good. I have just off of the top of my head, just when you brought that up with the kids, I have four things, I guess in 12 years of teaching, I have four things. I have more than that, but I have four that just jumped right out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So go, go for it. 
Okay, so two of them, it's like you write these things. I told you I write down everything anyway, but but these are the things I write down. Some of them are just like plain immature, uh, but also kind of true. But anyway, one of them was about homework. Okay. And I had reminded, as I always do, like I always say in a class, I always say, I don't want to repeat myself, but that essentially is my job. I just repeat myself constantly. Mm -hmm. And so I had been repeating when this particular assignment was going to be due and I'd been repeating it for a week. And of course, inevitably you get to that day and if you repeated yourself enough, most of them probably are going to get it to you, but there's always going to be a couple or at least that one. And the one that day, he just had no answer, right? Well, he did have an answer. And I, I, I said, I've been saying this for a week. So where is it? And we're talking about this project. Where's the homework? Where is the homework? Okay. I don't know. That's his answer. I don't know. And to me, I don't know is no kind of answer. So I'm now I'm really kind of getting irritated. Mm-hmm. And I said, I've been, and I said, if anybody in here, and call me crazy, but I know that I've said this multiple times every class period for an entire week. I need to know where that is. The paper, and it's just, and you know, it's a matter of organization. You're just trying to, and you're not even teaching them how to do the assignment. It's just an organization thing. And his answer was, it's gone, gone, gonorrhea. <laughs> So that's our, that's kind of our go-to phrase around the house when we can't find something. So it's, it's gone, gone, gonorrhea. <laughs> uh, and did he even, when he said it, he did he I don't think he even knew what gonorrhea was, but he, <laughs> we all, everybody knew it was not like a good word. <laughs> we knew that like everybody in the class, some of them knew what it was, some of them I would wager that most of them didn't, but they all knew that they had heard it in a context that was bad. So, so we all just kind of went, <gasps> you know, <laughs> but, um, and what'd you do in response? I laughed. I, I like, I, I tried to keep a straight face, but it was too funny. I, I cracked, I broke. Um, and the, the, the homework was lost and gone and gonorrhea. Did he have to make it up or what? He probably knowing the kid that it was did not make it up i probably entered it as a missing grade and that was probably the end of the story but he was so funny and you always remembered him yeah 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 and i had another one really early on we were talking as i'm a history teacher and i we were talking 9-11 and you know they get into the questions right around that time of year a lot of these kids i think at that time though these the the kids i was teaching had been born they were just really young when 9-11 happened so the question and you was, teach middle school middle school right yeah, yeah seventh grade so when they when they would when we would talk about it it would be like well wait inevitably somebody would ask why would anyone want to run planes into two american t- like why would they do that and so now they're asking this question that gets to be really convoluted because you're talking about geopolitics and all of this stuff (laughs) and and the question came up it says well why do they hate us you know and i i didn't have an answer for that the the why i have you know just like any other history teacher have read around all of these things and basically chalk it up to 
there's no certain clear answer for any of this stuff. But one kid raised his hands. He goes, I know why they hate us. And I was like kind of one of those kids and you're reluctant to like allow him to have the floor. And his answer was, and, and I was like, yeah, Rylan. I think that was his name actually. Um, Rylan, why do you think they hate us? Because of our silicone titties. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, it, but that was one of those where it's like, there's a certain amount of truth yeah. to it, right? There's just like a hair of truth. It's really immature. It's really not. But in a way, the point that he was getting at is not like told wholly untrue. You yeah, know? it wasn't. It wasn't that far off the mark. Yeah. I mean, that's not exact, but it's definitely got an underlying like they're obsessed with the uh, uh, obsessed with themselves think they're the greatest thing and then they do this stuff you know whatever so it was a whole long list of things i had all i had to chalk it up to was i laughed that was that was finally it. and i was like please do not say that again <laughs> that's funny um i have one that comes to mind uh from when we were living in california so when we were living out in la i was teaching uh math and I was also coaching PE. I had like the best schedule ever in Southern California. Yeah, right? outside half the day. Yeah, got to wear like comfy sweats to work because I was a PE coach, but I also taught math. So I was half and half. So one day I was in like third period PE class and um, oh gosh, I think his name was Julio. Julio came up and he was... Uh, asking me because you were substitute teaching at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, I was. Do you remember this? And he said, um, wait a second. Miss Thornton, is that your husband? And I looked at him and I said, yeah, Julio, he's subbing. You know, he's subbing for probably Dan Coda, like the coach at the mm -hmm. time or something. And, uh, and I said, yeah. And he goes, so he stands there and he looks at me and he's really confused or he has a real confused look and he, and he kind of walks away and then after he takes a couple steps he turns back around and he goes wait but you guys don't even look alike <laughs> <laughs> was was he confused in thinking that we were siblings or was he saying is that his way of saying that people who get married should be of the same I race? don't know it said a lot of things because <laughs> so I, I responded to him I said I said wait are we supposed to look alike if we're yeah. married? For the record, those of you that don't know us face to face, I'm Irish. And background: I'm, I'm a, we're both American, but but I'm an I'm I'm of Irish heritage, and she's a Filipino. Yeah, heritage. I'm Filipino. Yeah, Thornton, yeah. and I'm Am a Beto Amagon. So that is uh my our our background there. So we don't look anything alike. And I remember asking Julio, "Are we supposed to look alike?" But it made me laugh because it's so reflective of the way that people think, you know? Yeah. He's so innocent about it, but. Yeah, that was just his way of like, y'all don't really match. That Maybe that's his way of saying y'all don't really, y'all don't, you don't look like you fit. <laughs> well, for the record, people never think we fit. No. Everywhere we go. They will go to dinner with people. And with couples, with like four other couples, and then they'll come up and give us separate checks. <laughs> <laughs> Not a joke. That has happened more times than we could count in being married 17 years. So I don't know what's going on. Um, so, yeah, funny, funny way to start from the mouths of babes. Right. Um, things that we've heard from kids and 
I speaking of, I had one more, and that was actually okay. this year. Um, Excuse me. Go for it. This year, and and this this actually speaks in a bigger way to certain things too, about what's relevant to kids and when and timing and uh, era and all of that stuff. We're studying the Texas Revolution. I teach Texas history, right, um, alongside language arts. But um, we're studying the Texas Revolution, and I have you know anybody listening who's not from Texas, this name may not ring any kind of bell, but the name is Davy Crockett and the name Davy Crockett goes, it's in folklore across, you know, that time period, but especially in Texas. So I have the name Davy Crockett up there. (laughs) And one of my kids walks in African-American kid, great kid was never interested in one thing I had to say about history, like talking to me about other stuff. But when he walked in, he goes, Oh, come on. I don't need to know about no Davy Cracker. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't relevant to you. Wasn't relevant to him. No, Just didn't care. No Drake, no Lizzo. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. No Taylor Swift. But it was so honest because it was just kind of like, and I was thinking like, how can I make this Davy Cracker character important to him now? And I really you're kind of barking up the wrong tree at that point. He's just like, you know, you have to talk to him different. Yeah, really. Um, Okay. So thank you for humoring me with the, from the mouths of babes. I know we have a lot of funny, I mean, we have years worth of funny stories from teaching that. uh, If you gave me enough time, I could come up with, I've written down hundreds more. Yeah. But I I put you on the spot. So they're gone, gone, gonorrhea for for right now. Um, and so the other piece that I wanted to talk about was the we get it from our mama piece. Mm-hmm. So maybe some ideas that you were given from, and it doesn't have to be just from your mom. It could be from your parents, from your uncle, from your uncle, aunts, grandparents, you know, whoever, that you feel like really impacted the way that you think now or maybe the way that you create. Yeah. Um are we going to get to loop this back to you as well? Yeah, I'll oh, yeah. share. Yeah, I'm going to. So, yeah, I mean, I have a bunch of those things. Um, and it is really amazing when you think about how much of an impact an adult has in your life when they choose to be a part of your life, right? When they choose to well, make. Well, even if well, I guess what, I think, oops, what I think sometimes is they don't even consciously know that they're in some don't some do and and but yeah but they have an impact either way if they're around you a lot but you know um i always think of and this is a obviously a different time period we're living in i can't believe i'm saying that because i thought i was always young <laughs> just not anymore yeah but, time flies. but when i was a kid um my grand I spent every weekend with my grandparents and uh I was for lack of a better way of saying it just kind of allowed to run around and explore things however I wanted to do it and I was encouraged to do things that probably your average parent would not be pushing uh my mom certainly didn't like or support a lot of it whenever I was a kid but I didn't tell her everything either you know it was just kind of well, I think also, I mean, you think about 30 years ago, yeah, almost 40. I'm ta- I mean, yeah, I'm talking about when I was about 8 or 10. Okay, so 30 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, life was different. 
For sure it was. You know, I mean, uh, the way that we grew up as kids was you played outside until it got dark or past dark. Yeah. And you just told your mom and dad where you were. Well, and even my parents would, I remember my mom kind of had the rule, it wasn't really a hard rule. She would yell out, but but it was it was sort of like uh, come home when it's purple outside, you know, <laughs> like when the when the sky's dusk. purple, you better be getting. Yeah, your butt you didn't home. know what dusk was at that point, but it was dusk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so, but but yeah, uh, along those lines, like you know, my granddad was from the Great Depression, and so he pushed in a different way and even further. You know, everything was always the next degree, like. The example I'm thinking of, he put a ladder up for me to get on top of the roof. And I was, man, I was young. I wasn't, I wasn't eight. I was, at that time, I was probably five. And uh, he, he let me get up on the roof, which I thought was really cool. But then he pulled the ladder away. And he wanted me to jump off the roof, you know. And it. I mean, it took me a long time to do it. I never, I didn't want to do it. I thought he was going to give in and he didn't. That was just the way things went with him. Did you climb up? You climbed up. A ladder. I know that, but did you climb up thinking you were just going to climb back down? Oh yeah. I never thought. Was he watching you? Yeah, he watched. Oh yeah, he's watching. But when he pulled the ladder down, he went and sat on the picnic table, you know, under the China berry tree and was just sitting there watching. And he said, no, you you, there's a way down you just got to figure it out and i said no the way down is that ladder he says no 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 i want you to figure out a different way down than the ladder and it was just a and and you know there were a couple of different things that happened with him that a lot of people probably today especially would judge really hard but they stuck with me in a different way um his theory on life is be- he never said it to me directly he put me through these little things and I guess it was up to me to figure it out. But I think his theory on life was you can't really afford to go through life being afraid of things. If you're going to go through life being living in fear, then you are not going to have a very good life. And so those kinds of things when I was that age were meant to, I think, teach me not to be afraid to jump off of something. He certainly taught me not to be afraid of water. Um and his theory on that was real simple. The earth is 70% water. You can't afford to be afraid of that, <laughs> you know? Um, first and one of my only fights ever, and it was, he let me get my ass totally kicked right <laughs> in front of him. Elijah Jolly. Elijah, if you're out there. <laughs> and what a name. Pistol whip my ass. I mean, beat was the he hell out you? no he was just tougher and and more sure of himself he wasn't afraid he was not afraid and i was afraid and that was that and that showed quickly because the idea was that if you've ever seen dazed and confused it was a real similar type thing that i could land one punch and the fight would be over well i landed the first punch and it, it just over. pissed him off and he just beat the hell out of me. And I remember I was kind of mad at my granddad because I knew he was <laughs> standing there. I saw him watch me and he didn't pull him off. He didn't stop him. So those kinds of things really were big early on. But later, my mom and dad had a a, a 
huge influence, obviously, you know, my mom always pushed me to try to be, um, to try to be educated. I mean, she was a teacher and, uh, and a really good one. And she taught people how to write the English language. And, uh, she knows that frontwards, backwards, sideways, you name it. But, but I didn't buy into that very long when I was a kid or when I was younger, but I definitely have bought into it as an adult. And my dad, on the other hand, it was, uh, it was another, the biggest lesson he's ever taught me. And I'm, if I'm rambling on, you can stop me at any point. But, um, when we were having a real issues as, as a married young married couple trying to figure out how to maneuver through or navigate through this, this web of madness that's so hard for people. Um, just I, life. Yeah. I called him and, and I was really, really looking for profound wisdom. <laughs> well, yeah. And I was also really hoping that if I told him my side of the story, that he would just say, you know, kiddo, it's okay if you have to get divorced. Cause I, it's kind of what I was in my mind. It was like, well, maybe I just need to, this needs to be done. And all I need is some validation from one person that I really look up to to say, yeah, that's, it's okay. You're, it, you're right. I get through my whole spiel, 30 minutes of pissing and moaning. And he just said, well, you know, hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, that's the sum of your that's wisdom the, on this subject. That's the profound wisdom. Yeah. And that, and he, and that was the sum of his wisdom on most subjects, you know, is yeah. hang in there. And, and he's right. I mean, you really think about it. He's, that's really a true thing. It's such a simple thing, but people who hang in there, make it or do whatever it is. They longevity. Decide. Yeah. Longevity. Yeah. Well, I have, mine is similar. Um, I have lots of advice from many people that was meaningful, but from when we say we get it from our mama, I'm going to say on this one, we get it from our papa. Yeah. <laughs> so my dad uh, when I was a teenager, um, I played tennis and I was involved in uh, every, I mean, everything, right? I played tennis. I was in cheerleading. I was in band. Yep. And, um, I remember I had a real big tennis match coming up. Maybe it was state tournament or something. And he pulled me aside and he said, you know, you've been working hard at this for, you've been preparing for this for a long time. And he could see I was nervous. And he just said, you know, what's the worst you could do? Lose? It's the yeah. worst you could do? Fail? And that question always stuck with me because, you know, we build up in our minds this image of success or failure. And we let that consume us up until the point of that day and time where you have to face whatever it is that you're worrying about mm -hmm. and so I thought about that a lot is like what what's the worst in in whatever the instance is whatever the situation is that you're encountering what what's the failure like yeah. what what does failure look like and is it really the end of the world if you fail yeah what he was doing it sounds like is opening your eyes to the idea that it's not Right. Yeah. And I mean, if you do, if you lose a tennis match, what does that really mean? You know, like in meant a lot what, that day, but not necessarily yeah. in that decade. And or, we put so much pressure. I know I do on myself for what success is supposed to look like in everything. Right. That sometimes and, and you say this to me a lot. It's like sometimes you just got to lighten up and not 
It's not that serious. It's, it's, it's easier not, said than done, but yeah. yes. It's not that big of a deal, you know. It's it's uh just just lighten up. And so then he also gave me another piece of advice, which was funny you say it's actually tacking on to the same time. So you were talking about early on in our marriage, like many young couples do, we struggled. You know, big we, time. <laughs> we struggled big time. I mean, we we were, were poor, we piss were, poor. We were poor and we were trying to figure out our identities and, and try to shake the identity we had formed as a young teenage couple because we've been together since we were 15, yeah. right? And, um, and then we were just trying to navigate all of it, right? And at that time, we were at this place where we weren't sure if we were going to stay married or if we were going to get divorced. And uh, at, my dad was really good at um, sharing his ideas with me, but he did it by email. Like he, he was a good writer. Yeah, he, he was. He was able to say all the things that he wanted to say um, in written form versus in verbal form, right? And I remember at that time, the question was very similar to what's the worst you could do fail? He didn't say that to me, but he uh, he was actually pressing me, which nobody had ever before, of questioning what my role as a wife. And he said to me, did you go out to California honestly trying to support Matthew and him trying to be an actor? You knew that's what you were going there for. Or did you just expect him to fail and you're just waiting it out? And then just move on. And then you just wanted to be able to say, okay, we went out there, you tried it, you failed, and now let's move on. And I never really valued, I never really respected the endeavor that was going on, right? So... Um, what was the answer? Well, the honest answer at that time that I realized was, yeah, I thought he was just going to go out there and fail and then we'd move back and then we would just get, a, like, do a traditional life, you know? Yeah. And so um, that actually is good timing for me to go to top three. Okay. Okay. So I think with all of this episode, it was kind of thinking about things that we've been told from ad either advice or what one generation can teach another. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, um, here's some things that I, that I, uh, can put, put in words, right? So one is don't let failure consume you, mm -hmm. right? Failure can't be the driving, uh, emotion that, Fear, fear and failure shouldn't be the driving emotions for your um, creativity. Like, like if you're trying to create something, you can't be so afraid that you're going to fail or that you're going to look stupid or that people are going to judge you for it, that it hinders you from creating. Well, I think fear could be a good thing if you're fighting against it and that's why you're creating something. Like, in other words, you're fighting your way out of a corner some of the best artworks in the world came out of the most turbulent places but and I'm, governments. I'm, but you're saying fear of failure should not be driving you to do anything. Yeah, I'm coming from the other end of it of 
sometimes people don't even try it because they go, well, I probably won't even ever be able to well, do that, that. Yeah, and that's so, probably more often than not, especially in this country. True, yeah, so because, I'm not going to try it. Right? Yeah, because you can, in this country, have a decent life just by doing something regular or normal. So it's very easy to just yeah. quit, you know? Yeah. I think the second goes back to our very first episode that we talked about balance. And gosh, even talking about it now and saying, thinking back to my dad asking me the question of, what did you think was really going to happen? Did you really support him or did you half-ass support him? Yeah. And so what I now, what I can say honestly from, uh, what, 20 years later, almost 20 years later is until I owned up and said, you know, Matthew is a writer, an actor, a filmmaker, until I owned that, you could feel it. You knew when I was honestly supporting it or when I wasn't. And if somebody, if your partner, whatever form that is, expresses to you a desire to pursue something and you only half-ass support it, they're going to know it and you're always going to have contention. Yeah. So it, and, and that again is easier said than done because it was really uncomfortable for me to embrace the fact that you were, um, wanting to be an artist, you know, in all these different avenues, because it felt like maybe you liked, you loved the art more than you loved our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't feel that way now, but, but, and I can't say, I wish I could articulate clearly where the flip, where the change happened, but no, I don't know either, but I think for, I think I had to finally, I, I know for myself, it was when I respected myself alone and I could go, this is me. I'm secure as as an individual without Matthew. He should just be compliment, right? And I should just be a compliment to him. And then that's where I was able to fully support you. So I'm talking from the partnership standpoint of being a creative is that you have to fully respect each other and the things that you're pursuing for it to feel genuine. And once it's genuine, it works itself out. Well, it's weird because it's almost like the pressure of, say, a volcano or a pimple. <laughs> it, it builds and it builds and it builds until it finally just like explodes, right? And once it explodes, you've got really two options. Do we want to like pick the pieces up and try this one more time? Or do we just call it a day and move our separate directions? And you're right. At some point it did change and that pressure now doesn't feel so... And this was this worked both ways, I know, because um, I think what you said, it almost kind of became a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way because you were afraid that I loved any of the arts Anything. more than I loved. I was afraid of, I was afraid. So that even goes to my first one about fear. Like, yeah. I was afraid that you loved everything more than. Well, and then, but then you started to kind of, you know, in your, in your, and this is really not, this is really more of a, sh a problem on my end because you started to kind of react in a way that made it seem like you were so afraid of those things. And it kind of not made, it made you not be you. Yeah. It made you not be the person that I always remembered respected and or, respected yeah. and loved, right? Because mm -hmm. you've always just been this like strong, 
successful, independent, independent mm-hmm. individual. Mm-hmm. And you kind of stopped being that for a little bit. But this is where it was a really bad move on my part was I just took that and went, well, if you're going to be that way, then I'm just going to go 100 percent toward the arts and care about these things. Yeah. And I actually started doing what you were afraid of, which is that I was starting to care more about those things more than I cared about working on our relationship. Well, and I think uh, I can speak from from this body and this person in this mind that um, when I respected my myself and showed that that it was that I was worthy of love and respect, it was when I that's when I could stand up and say, Hey, yeah. you know, this and the instant you did that, the instant it was like it it put me back in my place to remember, hey, this is the girl you fell in love with. And there's a reason why. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, and. And so it was just us being young in a lot of ways. Yeah, and- <laughs> I think I think that is part of it. So and then the third thing um, about like that, I've learned from not even just pieces of wisdom that somebody shared but from watching is actually from both sides my parents side my mom and my dad and your mom is that reading writing those skills go so far yeah you know I go to educate I'm gonna say education with a grain of salt because we talked to Lauren a couple episodes ago about how um, a degree isn't all everything. of it. A yeah, degree it's not the end-all be-all. And especially talking for a person like her who's already super well-educated, already naturally talented and smart. Right. She has no reason to fear not having some degree. Right. Uh, I think about your dad who was an architect, architecture major and then didn't finish school, but he can build anything that you could ever imagine in the yeah. most beautiful form. Uh, he didn't need an architecture degree to do it, but he's a mason, so he knows how to do all of those things. So uh, the point here is reading and writing goes a long way. You have to be able to communicate your ideas and your thoughts in a coherent way. And it's, you know, I say this in a time that's interesting because I look at kids writing and it is not great yeah. no it's, it's just not great no, i mean that's not. the only way that i can say it and i and and I, put ste- it- I think you know i think it's steadily gotten worse over the last hundred years i mean and i'm i'm using hundred on purpose sure because- yeah like even if i go back in seventh grade uh we had to read frankenstein yeah your mom made us read frankenstein yeah. she was my seventh grade english teacher and that was the hardest book i have ever had to read but that's the way they wrote you know and now I mean, it's why they joke around about Fifty Shades of Grey isn't like the most literary. It isn't the best literary. (laughs) Well, it engages your fantasies, but it doesn't. Yeah. um, It does. It's kind of kind of mindless. Yeah. 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 So those are my top three in regards to kind of lessons learned from uh, either kids or or parents or family. You know, I, I, it's funny. I don't. I, I guess I probably already shared my top three. My granddad's lesson about fear. My mother's lesson about learning how to write. And my dad's lesson about learning how to hang in there. Basically, be resilient. But I, I will share one last story. Uh, one kid. Uh, this isn't just a funny story. It's actually not funny at all. But 
uh, I was posing the question, you know, in a history class, this may seem kind of morbid, but I, you know, I gave him all these really horrific facts about genocide and different types of killing that humans have done of one another over the years, you know, and uh, they're always kind of perked up to that because it is like, whoa, Baffling. why why do humans do that yeah, to each other? Blowing. And really the end of that lesson, the last question is, why is it wrong to kill? And, you know, I can, at the time I was coming up with that question, I was really like kind of baffled by that myself because how do I put it into words why it's wrong to kill? Everything that I had to say was totally emotional. It had no logic or reason behind it. It was just like, cause it's wrong. Cause it hurts. Cause it's bad. You know, just, I had no, I had no way to word it other than I just know it's wrong. But I had one kid put some real good logic behind it. And his answer was one of those that I was like, well, this kid's going to go far in life. If he uses that brain, his answer was killing is wrong because it stops potential. Mm. If you stop the potential of something from moving on and doing something better, then you've done something wrong. Wow. What an insightful went, thing to say. That's a 12-year-old, you know? Wow. <laughs> Holy moly, you know? So anyway, that... I, I'm from gonna, the mouths of babes. Yeah, from the mouths of babes. All right. Well, uh, thank you for humoring me and talking about uh, some of those funny stories from your, from your yep. students and uh, sharing some... Gosh, trip down memory lane. Yeah, good talk. Some of the things. So until next time, you guys, be safe, uh, stay healthy, make good choices. And uh, I guess if you're like Matthew, drink some spiked seltzer water. <laughs> and hang in there. Good night. All right. Bye.